Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. Elliot worked with me in my previous organization and was there really before the high growth period. Then we hit high growth, we had a strategy, we went for it, and there was six, five, six years of pretty much 10 times every multiple that we had. It was a really interesting period, which culminated in an acquisition, which Elliot helped us through. He really moved from being an accountant to being our financial director. We're going to hear from Elliot as to why he thinks that support, the financial director strategic report is so important over and above your standard accountancy stuff. And, you know, I can talk about that with some experience from Cake and my thoughts on it. And I know Gary has very similar thoughts on how, how this works as well and the importance of having somebody who looks strategically at the financial direction of the company, not just at the numbers on a daily, weekly and monthly basis. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Elliot in. Um, do you want to do a quick intro, Elliot? A little bit of context around who I am, what I do. Obviously, I'm an accountant, worked in the industry for about 20 years, predominantly with startups, entrepreneurs and established businesses. I've acted for clients across a, you know, a wide range of, of services and sectors, spent quite a lot of my career in, in practice. But in the latter kind of years, I've, I've moved more towards industry and I work with a, a small portfolio of uh, businesses in, in an advisory capacity, helping them with high growth. One of these is as a FD of EHE Capital, where I work directly with Di and, and Gary, my co-directors. One of our mottos is obviously EHE is entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. So I work as well as internally with Guy and Gary. I also work externally helping a number of our clients on a a number of financial and commercial matters. Finance doesn't come naturally to to kind of most entrepreneurs. Certainly that's my experience anyway. Uh, It made such a difference when Elliot came in and started to put some management accounts together because we went for quite a long time with probably more like quarterly accounts and some, you know, in the first few years, yearly accounts. And I can tell you the difference it makes to your thinking when you have monthly accounts, you have weekly cash flows, you then start to have things like quarterly strategy meetings, and you bring in some financial thinking into those kind of meetings and into the strategies, what a difference it makes. And, you know, I'd be interested here, Elliot, what your experience is. Is this a common trait amongst entrepreneurs or is it just me? No, I think I think most entrepreneurs, like you say, probably wouldn't say that accounting or finance comes up naturally to them. I think entrepreneurs, and I think this is something yourself and Gary would probably relate to, that entrepreneurs are quite well known, really, for following a more of a gut instinct kind of way of doing things, whereas accountants are probably more well known for being probably a, a little more risk averse and perhaps being known to run a business more by a spreadsheet rather than, you know, thinking more outside of the box and having a more kind of entrepreneurial approach to doing things. But I think certainly in in, in more recent years, that kind of role of the accountant and the way that, that they're viewed in you know successful businesses, it's, it's certainly changed. Accountants now are embracing that kind of entrepreneurial spirit more, collaborating more with entrepreneurs, and that's leading to a, a, a much higher chance of of success. And I think one thing that's probably helped that massively is advances in technology within the industry over the years, which has probably put less of a burden on accountants from a, you know, a kind of processing and, and reporting perspective, because with certain cloud-based tools out there at the moment, such as the likes of Zero, Receipt Bank, etc., it certainly makes putting 
financial information together an, an awful lot easier and, and, and quicker than it once was in the past. And that allows the accountant then to spend more of their time bringing you know other other elements of their skill set to the table because you know accountants do have a hell of a lot of commercial acumen as well as the kind of financial acumen that you would expect them to have and that allows them to to work directly with the entrepreneur you know more of a kind of sounding board as well as just doing the sort of things that you would expect the accountant to do and help more with the kind of strategy and, and, and direction and operation of the business rather than kind of looking on, on a more kind of reactive or historic approach and now more seen as a more kind of proactive element of the personnel of, of, of a business. Let's face it, uh, most startups aren't particularly well funded, even when you, you know, you perhaps have a, some money behind you, friends and family fundraise, or maybe even a business angel behind you to get the business up and running. You know, money's still tight. There's never an abundance of money. So, you know, my experience certainly with another company involved with the startup factory is that most startups really have the absolute minimum in terms of their accounting. And and that's fine because, you know, you have to be cost conscious from the outset. Um, I'd be interested to hear what your views are, Elliot, as to when you think is a good time to bring somebody in who does more than just maybe six months and maybe even just annual accounts and the entrepreneur that has to stop relying on the gut feel because the business is at a point when actually it needs to be more scientific than that and they really do need to start using the facts and figures to help them make some of the key decisions in the business. Well, certainly from my point of view, I think it's probably never too early to bring somebody on board that kind of questions what you're doing and and why you're doing it rather than just doing a kind of once a year kind of compliance. We have to do our accounts because, you know, we need to report to the authorities and, and, and file and pay our taxes um, on time, etc. But clearly there's there's a cost implication of doing that. But as I kind of mentioned these days, with it being much easier to do some of the, the more basic kind of accounting tasks these days, it has made, you know, things more cost effective in terms of some of the higher level services. So in, in, in terms of the question that you asked, you know, when when would be the right time? You know, I think certainly in businesses that, are, that have got aspirations for, for high growth, I'd say that they are the sort of companies that should be looking at bringing somebody in of that, of that kind of calibre of mindset to you know, help take the business forward quick, quickly. So Gary, in terms of from a, from an investor perspective, how important is it to make sure that the the finances are in good order before you start approaching investors and asking them for for oodles of money to to grow your company? Um, oh my God, uh, you so need a decent finance director. I, I've been in meetings and embarrassed myself on several occasions, got it wrong. You you so need that person next to you because they talk the same language. And one of the points that I've picked up over time is that investors tend to listen to the finance director more than the leader, the entrepreneur, because the entrepreneur is so emotionally involved in the company there, they're prone to exaggerate the capabilities of the company. But the finance director often deals in facts and will give a more staid, balanced answer to questions. So yeah, I agree with Elliot massively. You, you need the, a decent finance director on board early to get in shape for so many areas, whether it's presenting the right investor deck, getting the right numbers that stack up under scrutiny. Sometimes when you look back over, you know, how things have happened, you I think most entrepreneurs when when they go through their their first sale and the first acquisition and it's successful and they have a, a you know a good business that they've solved behind them as it were. And then they they look at what's next and they want to go again and they're excited about you know what can be done. 
you look at how you could do things better and quicker. Uh, I, I know I have anyway. You know, one of the things I definitely do is bring in someone like Elliot way quicker than I did when I was at Cape because I was naive. I didn't understand the importance. I hadn't perhaps taken the right advice previously, that type of thing. And, you know, the difference when Elliot came in and A, presented us with meaningful management accounts and then began to, and yeah, I began to, we built built the relationship and that's really important as well. We've not talked about relationship yet. You've got to build that rapport with that person. Myself and Elliot got on great. We're both big Man City fans. So always helps. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, when we finished talking about football, then we started talking about the serious stuff. And, you know, and I'd, I'd speak to Elliot either before or just after I'd made a big decision. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, yeah, it's probably not the right way to do it. But, uh, you know, sometimes you have to make decisions and then you go back and go, oh, God, right. OK, I better just have a chat about the financial implications of this. You haven't got any examples, Elliot, of how you've dug Guy out of a problem when he's made the decision and then asked you about it afterwards. I think. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> just genuinely, we are. I bet you must have examples. I was just trying to think of some specific ones, actually, which I don't think I can roll one off the, the okay. top. Generally, but there's been a few. Normally, Guy... Normally there was the thing about guys spending large sums of money on the uh, on, on the company credit card. I know it would be a chat about about why and what he's thinking was. Yeah, the, the, there was there was one, and this is a minor one, right? But it, it kind of it's the one that springs to mind. And I was away, and Elliot and Pete were running the company. I was sat, I can't remember where I was, on a some some by a swimming pool in a hot country somewhere. And all of a sudden, this um, and this is early in our kind of uh, early in our development before, before the high growth stage. You know, I was sick of our boardroom stroke meeting room being really hot in the summer. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, thanks to me sitting by the pool, having Wi-Fi on my phone, uh, this Dyson, really posh Dyson air cooling unit turned up at the at the office. Uh, and, and Pete was like on the phone to Elliot saying, have you seen what Guy's done now? He's just spent 500 quid on this on this piece of equipment we don't need. And uh, that was me sat by the swimming pool. Yeah, I think I think the other one was when the the coffee machine turned up. But I think that, yes, I think that was a bit more expensive than five hundred. I think that was in the thousands. That that was that was a price of a small car. <laughs> you've got to have you've got to give the the team good coffee, haven't you? You can't have bad coffee. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, I was, I was a Tesco, Tesco value man up to that point, and I won't tell you the whole story because we haven't got time on this podcast. But something well, happened the- which changed my mind, and. Yeah, that was another. I think, I think just to put that into context, though, the the, the, collab- the collaboration around the kind of coffee machine with where it was in the kind of breakout area in, in in the kitchen, I think it paid for itself pretty quickly. Well, it it wasn't just the cost of the coffee machine, Elliot, was it? We had to turn a storeroom into a cafe, <laughs> so we're we're looking <laughs> at a fairly investment. substantial investment in the end. Yeah, but it it was genuinely worth every penny. You know, that was one of the decisions that. You know, we're laughing about now, but actually, it became a really popular place for people to sit down and be creative and collaborate. And there was no food in there; it was purely sofas. All right, you don't need to. You don't need to justify your investment. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I do. <laughs> uh, you tell it. I've got a story here. This will make you laugh. Talking about sitting around a pool. I was on holiday sitting around a pool in Australia. Actually, I got a call from my finance director saying we're not financially viable. I've got a real problem. I mean, what the hell? Of course we're viable. Just be quiet and get on with it. That's the last oh, thing you dear. want Gary. Being told you're not viable. <laughs> I know. That's not good when you're sick. I don't know how far Australia is. You're the side of the 
to the side of the world. I'm going, what can I do about it now? Just get on with it. It'll be fine. I'll sort it when I'm back. And, and was he just out of interest, Gary? Was he right or was he wrong? He was technically right. <laughs> but, but don't let the facts spoil a good story. The projection was a bit negative. I knew I knew there was more revenue coming in that he didn't. The difference between a good and a, good and a bad finance director is, is well, is, I think how yeah. visualise the, the kind of the future of the company. And I think it, you know we're, we're talking about you know finance and accounts people and entrepreneurs, and I think there's a give and take on both sides and, and respect. And if you can find a somebody who's more than an accountant like you, Elliot, they're really valuable if you get on with the CEO and the entrepreneur because you're coming at it from very different angles. But if you if you're trust each other and can discuss and debate things privately or publicly and come to the right conclusion, it's a very, very powerful relationship. Yeah, really you know, powerful. I, I completely agree with that. But I think all, all too often we kind of see and read about in a lot of companies there's quite often a bit of a power struggle, isn't there, between the kind of entrepreneurial side of the business and, and and more the kind of finance side of a business which can be seen as two completely different different areas but as i mentioned earlier in, in the more kind of successful businesses they kind of work hand in hand you know the, the fd or the or the cfo is kind of seen isn't he as the kind of right hand man to, to the md or, or the founder so to speak yeah really yeah they are the good ones are and i think one of the things that i've sort of picked up as, as the business matures is need a finance director who doesn't want to be a ceo because if they do wow that's that's uncomfortable and not pleasant because they're undermining they might on the surface be supportive but they're not so you need to understand because some do want to and some don't i think you need to ascertain that quite early yeah, really. yeah i think that's i think that's a good point i mean there's a, there's quite a lot of successful entrepreneurial accountants out there in fact you know many of which people probably don't know that are accountants people like tony fernandez air asia uh, phil knight co-founder of nike bob parsons at GoDaddy, and obviously david ross as well that founded carphone warehouse you know, a lot of people out there a lot of accountants you know that kind of background that have gone on to be very very successful in a more kind of entrepreneurial role as well because i think that it does give you a, a good grounding to, to move on into the, into the more entrepreneurial and strategic side of the business. I think that's really interesting. Hopefully people listening get a sort of a, a feel for that and how valuable an accountant can be to a, to a high growth entrepreneur. Lovely. And Elliot, is there anything further you'd like to say to the listeners to wrap up? Any uh, key takeaway or something you'd like them to remember when thinking about the role of their accountant and finances? I think one thing I would say is it's not just necessarily about an accountant so to speak, it's about finding the right person, you know, who's who's the right fit, you know, the same with any kind of sector or profession, really, there's there's good people and there's bad people. But what, what I would say, if you do find the right person, they, they will install, you know, the right mindset through a business, they'll, they'll, they'll work across all areas of the business, which, which in turn should help the business perform better and be a catalyst for growth. Brilliant. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Georgia. And thanks, Guy. Thank you. Lovely. We'll be back next week for another episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. Visit the EHE Capital website, ehe.capital, for further insights and to join the EHE community.